So this is episode three of my podcast, um, which I think I'm going to rename to Diet N Diabetes with an N in the middle instead of an and. I think the last one I recorded was late late February, so it's almost been two and a half, nearly three months since since I recorded that last podcast. And I would say I've done a few things diabetes related since then. At the end of the last podcast, I think I mentioned that I was just about to go on the Daphne course, which is dose adjustment for no, for normal eating, um, which is like a, 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 a four, four or five week diabetes course where they, they go over everything to do with, with type one. Um, I've, I've done that. I've, that, <laughs> there's so much of a gap between this and the last one that I've done that and almost forgot, you know, I forgot most of it. But yeah, I guess I'll speak a little bit on that in this episode. Um, and also I've met, and I've met a few people, other people that have also got type one diabetes and, um, yeah. So I think the last one, like I say, I left off and I think I'd just bought the scales and I think I'd mentioned, about what my daily sort of diabetes schedule was, but I think I'll update my daily diabetes schedule. So every morning I inject my long-lasting insulin, which lasts for 12 hours. That dose has gone up, but I'll talk about that that later on. I inject that in the morning as soon as I wake up, and I guess that takes us on to the first big leap or big change from, from the last episode, which is I now have what they call a Libra glucose monitoring sensor, which automatically monitors my glucose levels continuously throughout throughout the day, which is which is different to pricking pricking your finger. So so in the morning I'll wake up, I'll I'll basically scan my arm with like a you know when you pay contactless in a shop. It's basically that. I've got a little thing that sticks on my arm. I'll speak about it more later, but I basically scan that and it'll tell me my my blood readings for the last eight hours on a on a little graph. Usually it's fine or expected, I think is is a better term. I'll then inject my morning insulin and go about my day until my first meal. And at the moment, my 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 waking and sleeping is a bit erratic. I'm not eating at the same times, but that that's okay. But whether, whatever my first meal is, it's usually lunch. I'll skip breakfast usually, but usually a sandwich or something. Either you know, I'd make my own sandwich or I'd get one from Greg's or something. If I'm making my own sandwich, I'll go downstairs. The only real thing in there that's got carbs is the bread, and that really depends on the thickness of the bread. Usually the bread is between 15 and 20 grams of carbs per slice. So for slices, you're between 60 and 80 grams of carbs. So if I'm doing that, I will inject the amount of insulin for for that, for, for, the, for the carbs. I'll set a timer on my phone for 15 minutes. I might make the sandwich in that time, put it in a little food bag, bring it up to my desk where I'm working and, you know, wait the 15 minutes until I eat and then I'll eat eat normally and there we go that's that's that bit out of the way and then the next one is evening meal so 
again, I eat a lot out of packets, so frozen stuff, all the carb contents on there. You know, the nice thing is if you're eating little, I don't know what you'd call them, nuggets or mozzarella sticks or garlic bread or anything that's an, an item, you, it usually says on the packet per nugget or per mozzarella stick what the carb con- content is. Um, so you don't even have to weigh that. The only thing I find myself weighing really nowadays is um, potato products like chips or or something like that. So yeah, just same as lunch really. I'll usually put the food in the oven. I don't count how much food I'm having before I start cooking. I'll leave that to all after. Put the food in the oven. Maybe it takes 25 minutes. I'll wait 10 minutes. Then I'll inject a nominal amount, usually between 8 and 10. The reason I do that is because I split the dose on this meal to, for two reasons for me. One, for convenience. I can just inject eight now, eight units of insulin. I know that's definitely going to be, be below the carb content that I'm eating, and then I can make up the rest after it. Saves me doing any calculations until, you know, after, I'm, after I've eaten and it's a bit more relaxed and I can do it then. And the other one is that I don't think the insulin absorbs as well when you're injecting large doses and I think I heard the number 14 units the drop the drop off is but I've I've noticed drop offs over 10 uh, over injecting 10 units so yeah I'll put the food in 10 minutes later I'll inject I'll probably flip the food or whatever happens 15 minutes later I take the food out at this point I will weigh the chips and I will count up how many you know if I'm having a burger I'll you know write down what the burger is or the bread or I'll make a little note on my notes app on my phone. So my notes app on my phone looks, it's, it's just code. It's just, it's just a list of stuff that'll say something like chips, 320 G. And then next to that will be 27 GC. And for me, I take that to mean I've just had 320 grams of chips and I looked at the packet and it told me 27 grams of carbs per 100 grams so i've got my little i've worked out this little shorthand um that allows me to quickly take these notes then like i say i eat all the food then afterwards i'll i'll take those notes take the calculator on my phone do quick maths and work out how many grams of carbs i've had i call them i call them gc's when i write it shorthand gram carbs i don't know why but basically it's how many carbs per gram so it should be cgs but anyway i'll take all them notes and i'll work out how much how many carbs i've actually had take take away the insulin that i've already injected and inject the second half sometimes it has to be a third half if it's if it's a lot of a lot of food like pizza and garlic you know a, a really bready type type food and then, then you know, snacks are the same. Uh, might have a snack after that or whatever and uh, just calculate the snack, inject for it, wait 15 minutes, eat the snack, carry on. And then at night, again, just the nighttime insulin before I go to bed. That's it. I guess the biggest change in, in all of that is the the... I've not pricked my fingers to test my blood glucose with the finger prick and the little testing machine <sighs> properly in maybe like two months now, maybe one month, two, one or two months now. Because I've been, I've got this Libra glucose sensor, and like I say, it, it's a little, it's like a little circle, it's like a um, 
like a smoking patch, you know, a, a stop smoking patch. And basically it has an applicator. It sticks onto your arm. It lasts 14 days. And that has a little, a little rubber tentacle that goes in your arm and it reads your blood glucose level from the cells just underneath your skin rather than directly from your bloodstream. So the readings are usually off. You have to take that into account and they can be off by a bit or a little, but you, you know, you become aware of that the more you use it. And the readings are delayed because it's reading from the cells rather than the actual bloodstream. The, they say the readings are about 15 minutes behind what what the actual blood is. So, I mean, my quick review on that, I'll, I'll sidetrack a little bit and say that I think I'm going to write a blog on some of this because through talking to people, I think I've got a bit of a unique perspective on this and I can go into a few details with a few of these things. But my initial review of this blood sensor meter thing is it's okay. It's not It's not perfect. I've got it free on the NHS and it's worth it for free. Would I pay for it? Well, I've got used to it now, so maybe maybe I would. But it's not as accurate as um, as pricking your finger. The app isn't great. It's made by one of these big drug companies, I believe, and the app just, it's just the bare minimum. But the nice thing is it shows you trends and graphs, and I love a good graph because you can see how your blood roughly went throughout the day. Like I say, it's not pinpoint accurate. You can also share, live share that information with your healthcare healthcare provider. So the hospital's always got that information on the on their system, which with obviously the blue uh, the blood glucose meter, they had to download it to their system whenever I went in for an appointment. So I guess that's a benefit. But yeah, I think if I wasn't paying for it, you can get them from the website, the Libra website. Try to remember how much they are. They last 14 days. Shall I have a quick look and I'll cut this out? So I've just had a quick look and they're 50 quid for one. So that's so that's 100 quid a month because they last 14 days. And by the way, they last bang on 14 days. I had one run out on me uh, when I was in the park the other day, and I I was under the impression that after that after that fourteen day or fourteenth day, a warning might pop up that just says, you know, this isn't it's not as accurate now. You're outside your fourteen days. Check it or change it or whatever. No, bang on fourteen days after you've put it on, that thing turns off and will not work. So the question is, is it worth 100 quid a month? I don't know. I, If you've got 100 quid a month, maybe it is. It definitely is if you've got that excess. If you're making ends meet, probably not. It's It would have to be more accurate, I think. But that that's a personal decision. That's a personal decision. But I think that covers a lot of basically my day-to-day. I think the blood, the, the not pricking my finger is the biggest thing that's changed. My fingers have now fully healed. They don't look like pin cushions. So so that, that's a nice side benefit. But I get I guess the big thing that I've done since the last podcast, which like I said were like two and a half, three months ago. And I, I think definitely got more experience since then. But yeah, the big thing I did was do the Daphne course and 
it's a four I think it's a five week course, but you do four, you do four sessions and then you do a fifth sort of roundup session where you just chat, but there's no information communicated. So one a week, basically one every Monday. The Daphne course, I don't want to put anyone off it because there's, there's a, a, a large chance that people could find benefit from it. I didn't, I didn't think it was that good. I got diagnosed in November and the I did the course, what, a month, month and a half ago, maybe two months ago now. So I think I did, I can't even remember, April maybe or maybe even before that, March. And like I say, it was four, it was, bit, it was five weeks, but basically four weeks with a call every Friday. And between that, they would give you a workbook and access to this website online to fill, to basically go through questions and go through scenarios. And it had information about all, all these different things. But so a couple of things. Like I say, I'd been recently diagnosed. So I I knew, or not knew, but I was told a lot of this information at the hospital on the four or five appointments I'd had with, with the nurses. So a lot of it wasn't brand new information to me. And the information that I had did have was up to date and still what they were teaching. So that I guess that brings me to my first caveat. I could see how it would be super useful for someone that was diagnosed in the 90s or early 2000s or even the 10s, God, we're, we're so far along now, where your information might be out of date. That's that's the first one. The, se- the second one is I don't think it was the information was delivered in a very good way. I think the whole thing was dragged out. I think there was a lot of useless information or I don't want to say useless it was there were a lot of things said that didn't need to be said and an example potentially is how into detail they went with some really um, seemingly obvious things like working out carbs in food now again different it's it's horses for courses but I've from day one I've not had an issue with working out carbs in my in my food i got that carbs and cows book and also i eat a lot out of packets and i eat at a lot of chains chain restaurants or fast food places that have all that information uh out there on the menu in front of you so i've never had an issue with that my maths is you know it's not bad i can do basic maths so when something says it's chips for example 27 grams of carbs per 100 grams and I'm having 200 grams or something, I know that maths, I can work that out. So I wasn't finding that difficult. But on on the Daphne course, they went, they kept repeating it and giving examples basically to to give you that that concept of working out your your carb grams per per whatever, how much food you've eaten. To the point where on like two or three pages, it was showing you what buttons to enter into your calculator, which I thought was a bit bit of a time waste but you know it's that's my opinion it's not for me to say if you've got really I guess the plus side of that is if you're really rubbish at maths or it really scares you off from school or whatever it be that you're not going to feel like this is too advanced for you it it covers it from you know from step one so that that was good 
in in that respect. But again, it felt it made it feel like it dragged on a lot for me. And definitely that was a lot in the first week. So each week focused on on a different thing. And again, I'm just going to quickly Google and bring up the online portal just so I can refresh my memory on what all the individual weeks were. So, so yeah, so the first week was generally about carbs and carb adjustment and all, all that stuff. And I found that a lot, I found that a lot of that was really self-explanatory and the hospital had covered it really well. I didn't feel like I learned anything from that. And actually, I do remember quite, quite vividly that the the lady who was lovely, the the educator was lovely, really, you know, really nice lady, and took you through everything. She'd been taught all this stuff, so it was a course that it wasn't her, it wasn't our hospital's course. It was something that had been put out across all hospitals, and people had been trained to teach it and that sort of thing. She was lovely, but she did say that a lot of people left after week one. And I think she put it down to people not doing it for themselves and doing it for the wrong reasons. I genuinely think that a lot of people would do the first week and think, I don't, I don't need this. This is a waste of time. It's too slow. It's too basic. I, I can do better things with my time because I thought, I thought the exact same thing. And yeah, so like I said, if you're, if you're, you've not been diagnosed for a while, I, you know, I think it's great. Uh, it'll give you the up-to-date information, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't rate that much. Second week was exercise, which was again, interesting. There were, there's a few things to know, but again, I don't think it would take a full week. One of the things that I'm going to put out on and why I wanted to do a blog and maybe expand a bit on some of my experiences is because I think the whole Daphne course or a lot of it that, you know, 95% of it, and honestly, if you can remember more than 95% of it, you've got a better memory than me. I think as long as you can get the head, you know, the bullet points, then you're doing a good job because a lot of this you won't be using every single day. So it'll be hard to remember. But what I'm saying is I think a lot of the Daphne course could have been covered in like four A4 PDF documents that they give you out and you put on your fridge. One's general, generally about carbs and maybe it's got an equation on that you type into your phone or or that sort of thing the second week is about alcohol sorry there's five weeks in this not four the second week is about the second week is on exercise and exercise is interesting it definitely seems to affect people differently but the shorthand of it is if you're exercising you need to reduce your insulin intake and only start exercising with a higher than average blood sugar level because uh, the exercise basically supercharges the insulin, makes it work faster, and you're at you're at a uh, possibility of of going too low. And that seemed to affect some people more than others. One lady mentioned that you know it really affected her at the gym, and her blood dropped a bit. I've not done any super intensive exercise, but it, it, it's so far it's not seemed to affect me um, as much as they said it would because they give you. They say if you're doing half an hour's intensive exercise, reduce your insulin by X amount or whatever. Um, like I say, I've not, I've not needed this, so it's sort of 
I've sort of lost it a little bit after a week, um, after about a month. But like I'm saying, an A4 PDF that you can print out and that you can stick on the fridge and it's just got like 30 minutes exercise and then underneath reduce if eat, um, if injecting 15 minutes before or eating 20 minutes, um, an hour before, reduce it by half or reduce it by three quarters. You know, just little headlines that you can go, I'm going to gym in an hour. There we go. I'm eating an hour before. It says reduce it by three quarters or half or whatever the the the, the measurement is. Because I think, I think that's a lot more useful. I think overloading with people with information that they're not going to be using on a daily basis and you've got the real chance to forget isn't the best way to do it, um, in, in my opinion. But, you know, maybe it gives you a baseline knowledge that then you can build on. The one after exercise was alcohol. Again, I I don't drink, so not super useful for me. But in my opinion, again, could have been solved with a with an A4 PDF. When you're drinking, there's a few things. There's a few rules for this one, and it's good information, and you need to remember it. I can't fully remember it now, so when I'm putting out these PDFs, I'll I'll have to go back and look at the course again which I still have access to. I believe you have access to it forever after you've done it. But you um, you have to reduce. You have to reduce your insulin intake by a ratio, depending on how many drinks you've had, all that sort of thing, which if you're going out or you're drinking in the house, you can just look up and you go, right, I've had four units. I now need to start halving my dose or something like that, which I think would be, I think that's that's a lot more useful than trying to remember this this information from from a course. Next one is eating out. <sighs> eating out is, you know, it is why it is. Some places are better than others. You do your best, right? That's that's why I've come down on it. You you do your best. I'm I'm going to be eating out this weekend, and I had to submit what I'm having for the food. I'm going to have a burger with with chips. I'll probably unless I want to take my scales and be a bit extra, which I might do. You know, that's not off that's not off the table. I'll probably say maybe the bread cake's about, I'll look at the bread cake, maybe it's about 60 grams of carbs. I'll look at the chips. Chips are, in my, you know, in my experience, usually roughly around 30 grams of carbs per 100 grams of chips. I'll have a look. I'll do my best. And and essentially, that's all you can do. Unless you've, unless you've got the information from the chain, be it a McDonald's or a Weatherspoons or whatever it be, all you can do is your best. And if you want to take a, you know, a little set of scales and a little dish and weigh it out, more power to you. Like I I'm like I say, that's not off the cards for me. I genuinely think it's not that intrusive. You can pop them out of your bag, sort it out, and you you you're good. But, you know, I think we talked a lot about estimating on the course, which is which is guessing, you know, knowledgeable guessing. It's one it goes back to my one of my first points, which is I don't think you needed like a full a full session on that type thing. Like I said, I don't want to put people off it if they're going to find it useful. The last one was illness management, and this one was useful in that I'd not, I've not been ill yet, but this one hadn't been touched on at all when I was at the hospital. Well, you know, when I was initially diagnosed, and they they talk about illness management in terms of ketones and. I don't know how many people are knowing about the ketones, but if you've not got enough insulin and your blood sugar's too high, you get ketones in your in your blood, which are 
basically poison that can <laughs> put you on floor pretty fast and send you to hospital. But they talk about ketones and I think the mark was, I don't know if it was one and a half ketones or two ketones in your blood. They split it into two types of illnesses, like serious illness and not so bad illness. And there's different management strategies where you're meant to be injecting an absolute ton of insulin to get these get these numbers down. But again, useful information, good to know it's there, would be much more useful for me on a piece of paper where if I'm ill, I go, oh, get us the piece of paper, oh, Jesus, I do my ketones. And I'm like, right, oh, you know, that's high. I've now got to, I've got to inject double my normal amount to, and for a, for an hour until this goes down. I need something to reference. I can't even manage it. If I get ill and I get ketones, I'm pulling up, I'm getting out my laptop to have a look at the, at the website or the workbook. So you also got a workbook as well as the website. And this was the, another thing that really bothered me. And this was about, not about the content, but about the layout. And I think it's actually fixing itself because I think it's going purely online, which again, I don't think is the best thing because a, another person on the course thought it was purely offline with the books and things. So some people prefer it either way. But the thing that bothered me was that the the online didn't match the workbook to to enough of a degree. Like you seem to be jumping, jumping about and they didn't seem to match up. I mean, the information matched up, but the layout didn't match up completely. And you didn't know if you were meant to be looking at the online or the workbook or, or, or what you were doing. And you had all this paper, they send you another set of paper and you're like, do I look at this or that or, or this? And it, it it's just more convoluted than it really needs to be. It doesn't need to be like that for the information that that's being conveyed. So yeah, so oh, and I'll I'll add this point in. Oh, I've a few more points, let's say. Someone said that they'd they'd been wanting to do this for like two or three years and they couldn't get the time off work to do it. I think the course is a disservice to that to that person for for them to take time out of their lives to to be taught to be given this. I think maybe alongside this another self-learning option could be offered because it was it was a lot of self-learning it was self-learning throughout the week and then you'd have a, a meeting that would sort of go through you know you'd have a, a zoom call with with other people with the educator and the other people in your group um they do them in person but i did an on you know an online one and then you talk through the things that that you that you went over that week and for people that want to do it, their information might be out of date. They might have been diagnosed for 20 years or whatever. And to, for it to take, you know, they haven't got the time to, to give away a four hour call every week. It were a long call. I think there should be another option. So some information that someone can take away and they can be like, wow, I'm learning a lot, right? This is going to be worth it for me. Or, well, this, I know all this, I'm using all this. So would would I do it again? It's hard to say, isn't it? Because maybe, you know, subconsciously it has given me a lot of knowledge. I mean, I bet if you A and B this podcast and the last one, I'm talking a bit more confidently in this one. I think that's partly due to the fact that I've 
one of the main benefits of this course, I would say, is that you're talking to other people with type 1 diabetes. And previous to that, I'd not not spoke to anyone with it. So you get different perspectives. You 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 can ask each other what what insulins you're on, what experiences you you've had. You share your your um readings, your blood readings if if you want to, which is super interesting if everyone's got the Libras because you can see the full the graph of the the week or whatever and you can you sort of dissect it a little bit. But there's nothing there's nothing um magic in in that once you understand the basics and what the insulins do you can you can sort of really make educated guesses on on what on what you need to change or what you need to adapt or any of that so yeah but it, i you know talking to other people and again since since then i've it, it's been a while but i've spoke to people who live near me that have that have got this that i, di- I didn't know had had diabetes so Talking to people is is definitely what I got out of it most, I would say, because it is interesting. It is interesting, and even just asking what doses people are on, I think I'd I'll I'll move away from the course a little bit now and talk more about my doses. But I don't know what I was injecting before. I think I was injecting a seven in the morning, a seven at night, and I was injecting one unit for every ten grams of carbs. I I found out, you know, people some people were injecting over 20 night and morning. Some some were injecting like one or two, like they didn't need much. But I think it gives you a bit of confidence. You're like, oh, I can I can up this. And I before the course I saw this myself that my morning and night needed to to go up. And now I, I'm injecting 18 and 18 morning and night, which potentially might be on the high side for me. I might be able to knock that one or two, you know, bring that down one or two units. But yeah, hearing other people's, what they're doing is is interesting. There was an interesting thing about ratios, which I'd already discovered myself. But the the extra thing to that was, so the ratio is how many, how many units you inject per 10 grams of carbs. I was doing a one-to-one. I actually upped that at some point to a two-to-one, brought that back down to a 1.5-to-one. So for every 10 grams of carbs, I were injecting 1.5 units of insulin. But on this course, they were saying that people are injecting at various points of the day. So they might inject a different ratio at night as they do to, the, to what they do in the morning. So that was, that was new knowledge. It's not affected me though. Um, I've not changed because of that. Like I say, it's it's horses, it's horses for courses. If you've got four hours a week plus the hours that you need to go through the workbook and you think you're gonna find it useful or or you've not got up-to-date information, then do it. You know. If you don't, then if your information feels up to date or you're having regular things with regular meetings with the hospital and you ain't got time for it. I don't think you're missing out tons. I I really don't, unfortunately. But like I said, I don't want to put anyone off it because because maybe there is, maybe there's a snippet in in hour two and a half of week three where you're like, oh my god, that information, yeah, that's the key to to me unlocking, you know, and 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 taking it to the next level. And maybe that saves your life. Maybe it does. Um so, you know, decide for yourself. Another benefit for me, 
again, sort of like they're talking to people, but they they tell you about the new gadgets. So I knew about the Libra before the blood blood sensor thing, uh, but little things. I'm they've given me instead of uh, just this my uh, my insulin pen now got an electric one which has got a little screen in it that tells you when you last when you last injected and how much you last injected so you're never like oh did i just inject 10 seconds ago and i've just forgot type thing and i believe you can upload that as well so that your healthcare providers got got your insulin injections as well that i wouldn't have known about that if i went on the course they told us about this little clipper that you can get it's like a nail clipper but for needles and it contains the sharp the sharp bit of the needle it clips it off contains it that's cool i wouldn't have known about that so there's two things in there there's you don't know what you don't know and maybe you find something out and then there's i know enough for me to happily keep going my bloods are healthy i've got a nice routine i don't need anything that's gonna mess me about so um do what <laughs> do what you want do what you want but yeah i think that's that's a good update to now i think this podcast might end up being a bit long but hey ho skip around if you want i think the plan going forward is maybe 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 to do one of these every two weeks or month to to keep people updated because i have noticed a few changes and now that i've got the libra i can update people on what my readings are maybe get some advice for myself maybe give people some other people advice we'll see where it goes but i i do believe this will now be rebranded to uh diet and diabetes which i think is a better better term because my final i guess my final point i'll probably go on for a bit more but diabetes so far Touchwood has been the least obtrusive illness that I've had. And I think I said in the other ones, I've not had many illnesses. I'm not, I'm, I thought I was relatively young, but I couldn't see a sign in a shop the other day. My eyes are going. Someone said I had gray hair. So, you know, the jury's out on that. I thought I thought I was relatively young. But I have, you know, you've, I've suffered with my mental health and had little struggles and that sort of thing that have, in my opinion, of I felt have held me back. Diabetes or this type 1 diabetes and, and the treatment associated with it has not affected one bit of my life so far. At all. It is so far, <laughs> I'm ready to, <laughs> in a year... I'll be taking all this back, I I assume. But um but it it has been so unimpactful on my day-to-day, it is unbelievable. And I know some people that are running around and running marathons and are going to the gym and aren't eating out of packets and cooking fresh every day, and it's gonna be different. But I I would a hundred percent choose this over anxiety depression all, all all the other things all of them that i've had the pleasure of you know trying out this is the most manageable and if you're just if you're just being diagnosed you're fine you're gonna do okay you you really are it's just do the stuff you'll be fine
So I think I'll leave it there on this one. Like I say, hope we, we'll see what the future holds, but the idea is that hopefully maybe I can uh, um, put out some ideas, put out some thoughts, put out some comments, and um, maybe help some people, get some information back, do that sort of thing. But I believe that's definitely been the third podcast, a little bit long, but we will, or I will see you in the next one. Cheers.